1: Culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision.
0: Our attention is back on women as the biggest losers as Australia turns its back on the biblical and biological truth that God made male and female. Parents are feeling let down by the health system and by the education system, and on top of that, as we see more and more biological males not only entering female sporting competitions, but also winning them, there's another story that we're not being told. Female athletes who object to being beaten by biological males in their own sporting categories are being silenced from speaking up. Not only are they powerless to stop biological males from competing in women's sport, they're being pressured not to speak up. Well, we'll be talking through lots of different issues over this coming hour with our special guest. Kira Lee Smith is back with us today. She leads the organisation called Binary. Kira Lee has been one of the prominent voices standing up to the rampant campaign to de gender Australian society. And let me remind listeners that Kira Lee is the current 2023 Australian Mother of the Year. Kira Lee, a special welcome back to 2020. It's always great to be with you, Neil. Kiralee, I wonder if we start our conversation uh, not with some of the very, very difficult issues that we're confronted by as Australian society is undergoing through all sorts of change. Sometimes we talk about a cultural revolution. This is a part of all of that. But let's come back to the biblical and biological truth that God made male and female. When you talk about the things that are going on, uh, there is a... Foundation we can stand on, how do you reflect on biblical and biological truth?
2: Yeah, look. a lot of time the last few months uh, you know journaling and writing a lot about this meal and uh, the the Bible is obviously very clear right from the outset that God created them male and female and they were very good Uh, there's no third sex there's no uh, nothing in between there's just male and there's female and it's uh, the way it is throughout the entire Bible and then obviously science eventually caught up and uh, confirmed exactly what it is that God said and that we know there's only XX and XY chromosomes Uh, that delineate male and female. There's only two kinds of gametes, that's being, you know, the sperm and the egg. There's only two kinds of reproductive. Productive systems, and so, um, you know, there's never, never, they've never discovered a third sex or a third gender or anything like that. There's just two, and that's God's design and His purpose for us, and it's really, really good. It's something that we should celebrate and embrace, and uh, you know, rejoice in because we are very complementary to one another, but have very unique roles to play in uh, in in life, whether it is being male or female, and that's a fabulous thing.
0: You've got three choices, haven't you? Um, you know, we've got the religious, God made male and female. Uh, you've got science, yes, there are male and female. And then you've got an ideological drift, which could be anything. And that's where we're at right now. And parents feeling the brunt of a godless ideology that's running rampant, uh, it's not under control at all. It's not like it's going to be self-correcting either. Somehow or other, you've got to be able to stand up and have a voice here. Uh, that's what you do at Binary, you know, male, female, that's what Binary is. Uh, people not speaking up loud enough, what's what's the challenge here?
2: Look, you know, oh, there's look, there's so many challenges and, you know, an hour conversation won't even begin to scratch the surface of those challenges. But, uh, you know, I reflect a lot on the fact that we grew up in uh, time where it was really encouraged to that we would embrace who we are, um, all our differences, all our flaws, everything, and just celebrate who we are. And we didn't have to be conforming to stereotypes. We were actually breaking those stereotypes. And so, you know, girls could be mechanics or astronauts or, uh, you know, get into the trades or whatever they wanted to do. Boys could take on, I guess, the more stereotypical feminine traits. And that was fine. You know, you could your hair long you can crop it short you could appear however you like and that was really celebrated particularly in the 80s and 90s but as we've moved on and in recent years it's been this real push that if you like some sort of stereotypical male or female thing then you must conform to that uh, not just in your imagination but by changing your body changing your development and doing all of those things and it's all based on lies and deception it's really quite disturbing. So, um, you know, as Christians, I think there's also been this move away from our absolute truth and embracing the truth and speaking the truth and we've. You know, uh, not all of us, but some people have forgotten that Jesus himself is the truth. It's not an idea or a concept. Jesus is the truth. And we, as his followers, need to be really committed to speaking the truth no matter what the cost. Yes, we need to be loving, and um, but I don't think it's loving when we lie to people. It's not loving when we deceive people. It's not loving to go along with this illusion of inclusion or Um, tolerance when in what we're doing in fact is harming people by going along with the ideas that are disruptive and divisive and doing a lot of damage to our young people in particular.
0: So we have a a climate of lies and deception and that's clear right now and uh, probably no more clear to someone like you who has been drawn into a whole heap of legal battles because you've said, wait a minute, there is male and female. I'll call out this emperor's clothes and uh, we'll say this is the truth and this is why we can stand on that. It's not just a religious thing but also a scientific thing and it is the truth, there's male and female. But uh, give us a little update now because I know this is complicated, how you have had to deal with all sorts of challenges in the courts of recent times.
2: I'm laughing because it it just, it still seems so surreal to me, Neil, that I had the police turn up on my doorstep in March and issue me with applications for the apprehension of violence because I identified two male soccer players in female sporting teams here in New South Wales. And then that... Uh, there was also one included from a member of Football New South Wales, uh, sorry, Football Australia that was withdrawn. These legal battles have gone on all year and have escalated now to vilification complaints because calling these men males apparently could be construed as vilification and so we're yet to battle that one out in the courts, but where we're at is that the one from Football Australia was withdrawn. One of the other ones, six months we did in and out of court and at the last minute the police withdrew that. We've gone to hearing with the third application for AVO, but the magistrate who was meant to hand down her decision last week has uh, has said that she's not ready to give that judgment and we don't know when that decision will be due. Uh, The other two vilification complaints were referred by the Anti-Discrimination Commissioner in New South Wales to the Civil and Administrative Tribunal, but the New South Wales Attorney General intervened and said, "Uh, no, that's not the appropriate court to hear this case or this matter, and so the senior member is still uh, deciding whether or not uh, she thinks NCAT can hear that matter or not, uh, and whether she'll go up against the Attorney General or not, and who knows where that will land? So it's um it's quite bizarre.
0: It is bizarre. Uh, just uh, let just uh, dwell on this for a moment. Ncat, uh, the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal, it's a lower court. Typically, it's not a magistrate who sits on the bench there. No. How does that Correct. work? Because uh, because is this the issue that if you've got someone who's not at the level of magistrate, they might not be able to rule appropriately when there is an issue that's connected to our Constitution. How does that work with, uh, with people who sit on the bench in those courts?
2: Yes, so most of the people who sit on the bench there are what's called senior members, they're senior barristers, um, some of them are retired judges, but the court itself, the jurisdiction of the tribunal uh, is not under federal jurisdiction, so they cannot make decisions on constitutional matters. And for me, uh, my cases are very much about the implied uh, freedom of political speech. I am a political lobbyist. Everything I do and say is in that capacity. Um, And so if the tribunal were to decide that uh, my political activism was vilification, that's going to have massive ramifications for um, all registered third party campaigners and political parties themselves. And so this is a matter that needs to be decided in a court that comes under federal jurisdiction. And uh, that's what the AG argued uh, before the senior member at NCAT. And as I said, uh, she is considering the matter and will make a judgement. I don't know when, Uh, we'll let you know when.
0: So the activists would like to keep these sorts of hearings at an NCAT level and they would not like them to be elevated to a higher court where there would be a magistrate who would make a ruling. Uh, Does that say anything about the system?
2: I think it does, Neil. Um, I guess I can't say too much because I could be found in contempt, I suppose. But um, the reality is the the level uh, and the standards that are required also in these in the uh, under a federal jurisdiction is a lot higher. The you know the. Um, points of claim, the pleadings that you make, and all of those things have to be a lot more specific, uh, less general, and must, you know, correspond to the the particular legislation. So, uh, it it is, it'll be much, uh, much easier for the activists at the NCAT level, uh, much more difficult for them in the court system.
0: And Keralee, you know, oftentimes we don't often talk a lot about money, but there's been a cost to you and your family. Personally, in all of this, um, I guess there's probably some people who are uh, helping to contribute towards legal bills. Uh, there's all sorts of challenges in the time that it takes to go through a defence like this. Uh, is there room for uh, one or two more friends who might be supportive of you in a financial way when when you're going through these challenges?
2: Yes, please. There is always room. Um, we've had really generous supporters and we've raised tens of thousands of dollars because it costs tens of thousands of dollars to um, you know defend myself in these court cases you know and not to mention all the travel uh, going to Sydney to to sit in court and those sort of things and it's uh, you know emotionally obviously it's also very draining but we are continuing to raise funds for these legal cases and not just for myself Neil because there's other women particularly and men like Lyle Shelton who are embroiled in these cases you know Lyle's Case uh, before QCAT, the similar uh, tribunal in Queensland has already cost three hundred thousand dollars over three years for him. Um, it's just extraordinary. So uh, there's a lot of money to be raised. Um, you know, aside from all the campaigning that we still have to do.
0: And just to clarify here, those who are uh, on the trans activist side. Uh, their funding for their cases is all uh, by the government. It's taxpayer funded. So we're all contributing to their ability to, uh, to bring this action against you, but, uh, but there's no funding by taxpayer uh, that's supporting your way that you can defend yourself.
2: Correct, correct. So, especially at the tribunal level, the taxpayer is funding all of that. If it gets moved into uh, the different, uh, you know, under the federal judiciary, they can then be liable for costs. So, it's a whole different ball game. But at the moment, uh, all of these actions have been bought at total cost to the taxpayer, no cost to the plaintiffs, and uh, great cost to myself.
0: Uh, we are in the deep end and Lee Smith is our guest. She leads the organisation called Binary and there's, there's more than 100,000 email subscribers to Binary and my encouragement to you is to find out what Binary is all about because these sorts of issues are affecting people. If it's not in your family, it'll be your neighbours or it'll be in your school community or it'll be in your wider town or suburb. Binary.org.au Hey, Kiralee, let me ask you about sport because some of the challenges that you've been facing have been around sport, Uh, but one of the issues about the sorts of things that women are facing is that they're now being told not to speak up, to remain quiet. You know, you might not feel as though uh, it's a really fair thing having some trans people on the opposition team, uh, but people are, uh, women are being told not to speak up. How, How far widespread is that?
2: Oh, this is incredibly widespread, and we're, uh, again, only scratching the surface here, Neil. But, uh, you know, through my case and identifying these males in female soccer teams, um, I've had a lot of people contact me to say that this is happening, you know, in rock climbing, it's happening in basketball, it's happening uh, in netball and cricket and tennis and gymnastics, and, you know, the list just goes on and on and on, in AFL. And um, the, the clubs are being told that there will be no opposition to these policies, that the policies have been set, that if they're involved in the sport, then they've agreed with the policy of allowing males with the females uh, in these competitions, and that these individuals, the girls, the coaches, the parents, other officials, if they object to these policies, not only could they face um, a suspension or a sanction, they could face fines, they could face expulsion, or what that what i'm facing is legal challenges for speaking up against these things so it's a really difficult time for these girls in particular and young girls and their parents who they just want to go and play sport they want to go and kick a ball or hit a ball or you know get in the pool and swim and now they're confronted with this ideological um you know giant that's before them that is confining them it's uh intimidating them and it's not just on the playing field it's in their own change rooms uh, and the like and so there's a lot of girls a lot of women a lot of parents who are watching my case and other cases going on around the country because they don't want to take on this flack they don't want to take on the fight they just want to play sport many have actually just walked away from their sport and not going to play that anymore have not registered their objection because they don't want to face the cancel culture uh, or the panel penalties that people like myself are facing so it is a really serious, uh, very difficult time for female athletes in this country.
0: You can just imagine, and just to dwell on this for a moment, uh, because if you are a teenage girl and you're on the field and in the opposition side there are some burly looking uh, trans athletes and you're up against them and you would like to say this is not fair because those. Uh, trans athletes are going to be superior physically in the game and therefore put you at a disadvantage. But if you speak up, you might find yourself accused in the same way that you are and dragged before a tribunal. So this sort of pressure on someone who is a young woman on a sporting team, they're just not going to speak up, are they? Because if they know that they'll be accused... Uh, in the way that you have, of vilification, because they say this is not fair, then they're not going to speak.
2: Yeah, look, it's a real mess. I know of um, several, uh, you know, many families actually where they just don't let the girls turn up to that match if it's confirmed that there's um, a male in the opposing team. I know of... Uh, I know of a coach who was banned from coaching because um, some of the girls thought that there was uh, some male bodies on the opposing team. It turns out they weren't actual males, they were females, but because the coach wanted to protect his girls and those 14-year-olds didn't want to take the field against what they suspected to be boys, um, he was banned. But this is the problem, Niels, because now we know that males can be on the opposing team. We're looking at people and not knowing if they're male or female or looking at girls who might be you know larger or present more masculine so this is an absolute mess if we were guaranteed that there are only biological females we're playing against wouldn't be a problem but there, there's all of these complex factors now so people are getting banned left right and center if they do speak up or they're self-excluding from these sports or they're putting themselves at risk um, on an unsafe and unfair playing field. So it's a real disaster.
0: And it's not just about the sporting game and who wins at the end. As you say, there's actually a threat to physical well-being because, uh, you know, we've even spoken about this before, the way that some women have been physically injured because they've been overpowered by someone who is uh, an unequal uh, in the competition. That's the challenge too, that uh, you're actually more inclined to be hurt if you're playing a physical competition.
2: Absolutely. We know of a couple of volleyballers, um, particularly in the US, who have sustained brain injuries from playing against males um, in the opposite team. We know of girls, um, you know, in soccer and other things that have had knee injuries because a female knee is not really designed to do that sideways motion. And when they get tackled by a bloke who has a lot more force between be behind his kick, um those injuries are a lot more serious than if they're playing against a girl. We know of AFL where, um, I don't know the technical terms, Neil, but, you know, running up someone's back, I think taking a mark or yep. something like that, yep. um, girls are just collapsing under the, the weight and strength of these boys who are playing in the girls' divisions. You know, what is the point of having male and female divisions if we're going to let males play in the female division? It doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, some listeners might like to contribute. What do you think is the solution? Well, let's take some calls. David is in Western Australia. Hey, David, welcome along. Yeah,
3: welcome. You're doing a good program here. I think shining a light in a dark place. I think it's been very subtle. This has, even where I work at Aquatic Centre, they're bringing these subtle things to the swimming teachers, saying, do not call a boy a boy or a girl a girl. And then they're getting more and more aggressive as they go along. It's been a progression. And I think as uh, Christians and as non-Christians, we need to stand up for our children because if we don't, that will just completely change the whole system. I think it takes 20% to change our constitutional laws, and if we just uh, step in, then that will change. We have to be bold in these last
0: days. Uh, David, a good thought. Uh, Your thoughts for David, Keralee?
2: Yeah, I agree, David. We do need to be bold. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, this is a matter of truth. It's a matter of lies. It's a matter of deception. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if we can't just speak the truth plainly and look at someone and and call them male or female, if we can't uh, protect our daughters in particular uh, from these Mm -hmm. aggressive ideological attacks, then, you -hmm. know, there's so much at stake here. And so we do need to be Mm -hmm. bold. Um, Jesus as I said, is the truth. And so to stand up for the truth is a really important thing. He said that we will be insulted, persecuted uh, for his name's sake, and that's a blessing. So I think we need to create that mindset and that culture within Christian circles that uh, it's really important that we stand together and we speak the truth. Um, And, you know, there are a lot of non-Christians doing this already, but uh, it
0: needs to be more. Uh, David, just yeah, while I've got you, did you say yeah. swimming that you had that experience in, or what was the yeah. sport?
3: I, I'm a quad supervisor, oh, okay. and we have swim teachers there, and uh, one of the organisers there was saying she's scared to say, a cooler a boy a boy or girl, and I said, look, stand for what you believe in, because uh, they're not scared to put it onto us, but we've got to start stepping forward and say, no, this is our beliefs. We don't believe in our ideology, and we will not step. We've got to step up more. I think, as Christians, even when I work in that sea swimming industry, there's a push now uh, to bring in all these gay movements with flags, starting to enter the the councils now. The schools are being pushed now, and even the swimming areas now. They're trying to say, "Oh, don't do this, don't do that. Make sure you 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 don't know, call them boy or girl." So I just said to one of the organisers, "Look, stand firm. Just." Just call a boy a boy and a girl a girl and don't be scared of that. There's a fear factor and I think that fear factor has got to be overcome. Uh, That's the greatest thing. We've got to come out in Jesus' name,
0: that fear factor. David, thank you so much for making that contribution. That fear factor Mm -hmm. is very real, as we've been hearing, because if you're going to be accused of vilification just by putting your hand up and saying that's not fair, uh, or when you've got uh, issues where there's uh, like a steamroller coming in and it's changing things, when we talk about a... A cultural revolution or a sexual revolution this is very real uh kiralee thoughts here for david and for others who might be listening and they've got their own aquatic center or swimming club or sporting team you know how do you do something here stay yeah, well, stand firm it, speak up uh risk being uh, accused of vilification uh, what thoughts here for for what you what action you might take
2: Yes, look, I, I I sincerely believe that what David said is correct, that you have to stand, make a stand, and you need to make it early because, you know, if you concede to those kind of pronouns or not calling males males or female female, you know, at that point, what ends up happening is that the males do enter the female change rooms and they expose themselves to girls and, you know, they're much more vulnerable to sexual assault. Now, I'm not saying that every... A uh, person who identifies as the opposite sex is going to do that and I'm not saying that every male will do that in the female change rooms but the reality is there are males who are doing that in the female change rooms and it's because we haven't stood up right at the start and said males are males, females are females. So it's really important because where it goes, if you give an inch, there will be a mile, you know, that we have to deal with. So I think it's very important and there may be fear. Um, God says to us, do not fear. He doesn't say, um, you know, he acknowledges that we will be afraid. But when we stand in him, we can overcome those things. And so uh, I know at the end of the day, I want to stand before him and know that uh, regardless of what the cost is to me, that I spoke truth and I overcame those fears in Jesus who strengthens me to do that.
0: Kiralee, let's just take some more calls and see where listeners want to help take our conversation. Darren is in Mergen in Queensland. Hey, Darren, welcome along. How you going? Good. What's your thoughts? Oh, just... Um I'd like to thank Kiralee for her work,
4: you know. We need people on the front lines of these things.
0: And uh, Kiralee, uh, you get a lot of people, no doubt, uh, thanking you. And it's probably one of those things, uh, depending on the crowd you're in, uh, whether people are seeing you as, uh, you know, someone who's standing up for rights and you're a bit of a hero and uh, others who want to uh, lambast you and uh, be your worst critics. But your thoughts here, Darren, just wants to call and just congratulate you on standing strong.
2: Well, thank you, Darren. I really do appreciate it. And uh, look... You know, as time goes on, Neil and Darren, I I get a lot of thanks and I really do appreciate it. It really helps me, you know, get out of bed the next day and and keep working hard on behalf of all Australians. And, uh, look, the criticism is pretty limited, actually. It's limited to a few vocal activists and, uh, you know, There's a few politicians, a few people in authority, a few uh, trans activists, I guess you'd call them, who are, you know, they're very vocal and oppose the work that I do and what I stand for. But everyday Australians, and no matter where I go, whether it's a first aid course I did on the weekend or whether it's a, you know, a luncheon or a dinner or something to celebrate my children's achievements, everywhere I go, uh, people... Can't believe what's happening in Australia and are so thankful that, uh, you know, for for Binary and uh, for those of us that are speaking out about these issues. So uh, thanks is greatly appreciated. Prayers are greatly appreciated, uh, any forms of support, because uh, the more that we are together and the more that uh, we all do our part, the quicker, I think, that we'll see
0: the results. Uh, Darren, was there anything more you wanted to add? Yeah, I
4: just wanted to... Do, um So just why
0: don't they have their own sports? I'm sure that's something that comes up regularly. Kiralee, thoughts for that?
4: It does.
2: And, you know, interestingly enough, World Aquatics made the decision that at the uh, elite Olympic level that males could no longer compete in female divisions. And they created a category for transgender participants. And guess what? Nobody registered. So uh, (laughs) we're finding that... You know, males do in many, many sports have the option of open or mixed competitions, uh, but it is a fact that they want to colonise women's sports. They want to dominate women in those sporting fields. They don't want to take the opportunity to compete in the male, the open or the mixed divisions, which I think highlights the real agenda behind what's going on here because it's very easy for sports to create that space, uh, but they simply either don't want to or won't access it once it is available.
0: There's a deeper agenda at Play darren thank you so much for your call 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation today you might have a question you might have a comment you might even have a critique that would be welcome too 1-800-316-316 let's take another call kevin is in armadale in new south wales hey kevin welcome good what are your thoughts here kevin
1: um it's nice to know that there are other Christians who are reading the same Bible as me, um, so I'd just like to make that comment. But the other one i I want to make is that the weakness has already started to fall to filter through our churches. I'm part of a Baptist Church, part of the Baptist Union, and the uh, the Baptist Union is discussing the idea of same-sex marriages. Now that's wrong, and that's where we've gone unstuck. You know, the United Church has already gone that way. Anglican Church is going that way. And now the Baptists are starting to go that way. So as far as I'm concerned, they're not reading the same Bible as me.
0: Those are important points to make because when things start around the edges on the sporting fields, these things move into our education system, uh, all of the effects on our health system. Uh, And then you've got the church in the firing line because Oftentimes, even the education system, you've got Christian schools, they're going through their own challenges of fighting off uh, some of these uh, ideological uh, challenges that are upon them. Uh, and in, in the education system, the health system, uh, the church is ultimately going to be the target too, and that white anting from within. Uh, Kiralee, what are your thoughts uh, for Kevin here oh. is is uh, is what what can yeah. you say to encourage?
2: Yeah, well, um, first of all, I'll probably deliver some more bad news and then I'll deliver some encouragement. Um, But I've had conversations with pastors in this country who, um, you know, say to me, oh, but we just need to love the, you know, transgender people or the uh, gender confused people. And I I absolutely agree. We are called to love. But I would also qualify that by saying lying to somebody is not love. Deceiving them is not love. And yet um, pastors have looked me in the eye or written me emails and said that they will not challenge or, um, you know, encourage these people to embrace who God made them to be because they just want to love on them and I think that's a cop-out. I think that's using secular and worldly language as we saw in the same-sex marriage campaign that love is love. Well, no, God is love and that he's very specific and uh, detailed in what that love looks like and love is also truth. And so I really do challenge uh, churches to... Um, obviously we want to welcome every single person to Christ because that's what Jesus himself does. His arms are wide open. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory. Every single one of us needs to repent and to accept his love and grace and forgiveness. Uh, It doesn't matter what that is. But uh, in in tolerating these um, ideologies, we are compromising a great deal and what it's going to lead to is great harm for those people. So I would encourage churches to stand firm on the truth, on the Word of God which is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We don't have to compromise in the male and female, we don't have to compromise in love, we don't have to compromise in truth Um, because it is the truth that sets people free and Basically, people who are struggling with these gender confusion, the underlying issues are either autism, trauma, depression and other things. And we want freedom for those people. So affirming uh, their sin or affirming uh, difficulties and confusion is not the answer. It's speaking the truth and that will set them free.
0: Kevin in Armidale, New South Wales, thanks so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. Bruce is in Miles in Queensland. Hey, Bruce, welcome along. Bruce, you might like to turn that music down in the background. Bruce might be having a little bit of a laugh with us, so we'll have a laugh along with you, Bruce. Thanks for your call. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Rose in Basleton WA. Hey, Rose, welcome.
4: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. I, I haven't heard much of the conversation for the last few minutes, but I was just wondering if anybody has ever thought of the idea of uh, there being a testosterone test uh, for, for the for the levels of testosterone like they have for drug tests. I wonder how that would go.
0: Uh, Rose, good thought there, and I think some of these sorts of uh, regimes have been implemented, uh, but your thoughts here, Kiralee, for Rose?
2: Yeah, look, for, for males competing in female sports, um, some of the sports have the condition that they must um, have lowered their testosterone. But the problem here, Rose and listeners, is um, when you lower a male, a male has up to 10 times more testosterone than a female and what they're wanting them to lower it to is the very highest end of what a female could possibly produce but what that doesn't negate is the fact that uh, a male has gone through puberty Uh, even before they go through puberty, um, a male has a greater heart-lung capacity, blood volume, fast-twitch muscle fibres, you know, the skeletal frame. The advantages that a male has on the sports field isn't just about testosterone. It's a lot more than that. And so lowering the amounts of testosterone just simply isn't enough and it doesn't change the fact that they're still male. And for females who are trans or, you know, want to appear as male to take testosterone, Basically, that is drug cheating because you're not allowed to take those sort of performance enhancers uh, in sport, and so uh, it's unacceptable that that would be accepted in uh, in sports on any level. So, good thoughts, but it's uh, it actually is not proving uh, to make a player a fair or level playing field.
0: Rose in Bustleton, thank you so much for your call. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. James is in Kyabrum in Victoria. Hi, James. Welcome. G'day.
1: G'day, Neil. G'day, Coralie. Yes, very interesting what you're sharing. I, I know all about how rugged men uh, can, or boys can be. You know, I was uh, opening batsman for my cricket team and, and also... Um, had the you know opportunity to be one of the largest guys on my team, so I was often on the burst, and of course, guys who come running with their head, you know, and and you think yeah. they're going to attack you, but no, they wanted to hit you in the head with your head with their head, and it's the only time I have really seen stars in my life. But the thought I had was like boxing: you got lightweight, featherweight, heavyweight, mediumweight, medium weight, sorry, and then heavyweight. Maybe they need to start classing, and maybe we need to come back with some ideas that might help them to say, hey. This, this isn't working this way because there's little people, little players who are getting picked on. I know it's not easy sometimes getting the team, but those who seriously committed would only still apply, you know, like not just wholeness, bowlers, everybody all mixed in together.
0: Good thoughts there, James. Kiralee, um can you classify people by weight?
2: Look, the, the, I guess is. That is part of it but um you know i think of deborah ackerson now you know an incredible uh, olympic and commonwealth games champion in weightlifting she can be a similar size to males um, but they usually will have larger hands and feet which means that their surface area on the ground is covered their grip is extra their muscle capacity is uh, you know much denser than a woman and that, like i said their blood volume and other things so just simply casting it on weight or size isn't necessarily going to um gate the advantages again um we have male and female divisions for a reason in some sports yes we do then class it as lightweight or heavyweight Uh, you know rowing has lightweight boxing all of those sort of things but i think the simplest solution is just to go back to male and female divisions and that is fair and that is safe for all
0: James, thank you so much for your call. Let's take some more calls. Sue is in Kingston in Tasmania. Hey, Sue, welcome along.
4: Oh, hello, Neil, and hello, Kiralee. Um, I'm just wanting to congratulate you and support you for your courage and your conviction, Kiralee. You are such an amazing woman, and it makes me angry that the mainstream churches haven't been... Speaking up and speaking out about these issues more, which is why we, I believe we're now in this mess. And when you were talking earlier about fear preventing people from speaking up, I can relate to that so clearly. Until I can cross Matthew 10, 28, it says, do not fear the one who can kill the body, but fear the one who can kill both body and soul in hell. And also, 2 Timothy 1:7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and soundness of mind. And you obviously have plenty of power, and love, and soundness of mind to do what you're doing. So, congratulations. And I just want to say how much
0: I admire and support you. Well, Sue, that is wonderful. Keralee, what are your thoughts? Another compliment. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Sue. I really do appreciate that a lot. And, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I I love the Word of God. I love the Bible. I love the Holy Spirit. Um, And so, you know, there's definitely difficulties in the work that I do, but it also feels very easy when I know that uh, I'm serving Uh, An audience of one in these things and thank you for sharing those scriptures as I said I've been doing a lot of journaling and uh, reflecting on a lot of those sort of scriptures and I hope to share a lot more next year with Christians and believers because I think that there is Uh, Whether it's a willful or just an ignorance um, of people not, of Christians not uh, addressing these issues, I think it is time that the church in Australia stepped up to speak about these things. Um, I will encourage your listeners, Neil, there's a book by Eric Metaxas called Letters to the American Church but I think uh, I've just read it and uh, it's a very good letter to the Australian church and it parallels a lot of what happened in 1930s Germany. Uh, and what's going on today, not just with the nation of Israel but or, or the Jewish people, but also issues like this, like abortion, like sanctity of life. And it shows us where there's compliance and silence, uh, it leads to great destruction in our nation and that God has given the church the responsibility of being a mouthpiece and a speaker of truth. And so um, there's great encouragement in that book and a lot of scriptures, but uh, the word of God all, often, uh, sorry, always is uh, the 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 most important book that we read and get our encouragement from.
0: Sue in Kingston, thank you so much for your call. And isn't it a powerful thought uh, to reflect on the scripture that she shared, uh, that, you know, why are we fearing man who can hurt the body, um, but not fearing God who can, you know, he's the one who, uh, who, who can... He has complete control. There's a certain allegiance here and uh, allegiance to God is where we're going to find ultimately some sort of uh, response to the truth that we're looking for here because allegiance is elsewhere. And interestingly, if if we're talking even about our churches, our church leaders, our church denominations, we're all hopeful that they'll have their allegiance first to God and not to man. Uh, That's a challenging thought. Uh, so, we're let's take one more call. Jenny is in Dunkeld, in Victoria. Hey, Jenny, welcome.
4: Thank you. Um, I just I don't know if anybody else has ever asked you this, Kiraly, but um, girls, uh, sorry, boys transitioning to girls, do they ever want to play? Um, no, I have got the wrong way around. Um, <laughs> Kind of the like We're all worried about boys transitioning to girls, but yep. what about girls transitioning yep. to boys? Do they ever want to play in boy sports? Because it wouldn't be much of an advantage. I'm thinking.
2: No, uh, look. There's there are some um, rare examples of girls wanting to play uh, in the male divisions. It's not very often, uh, and it's quite rare. But interestingly, a lot of sporting codes actually forbid that because they know that if they put a girl on a you know a team full of males, that the risk to her, the risk to injury is very great, and they're not prepared to ensure um, her safety in that. So uh, a lot of the policies are that boys can play in the female divisions, but females cannot play in the male divisions, which I think says it all, really, doesn't it? So uh, it's quite crazy uh, that that it's that obvious um, in the sporting codes, but they refuse to protect uh, full teams of girls. So...
0: Okay, Jenny, thank you so much for your call and time is running short. We did mention that over the summer you've got your team at Binary and they are going to be working hard to produce a book of Australian stories. No doubt you've already got lots of stories. Uh, What sort of – have you got an example? Because there might be listeners who have their own story to tell and they're thinking – Will I get in touch with Kiralee? Will I get my story included? Or they know someone in their own community or school community or connected with their church. Uh, What sort of stories are you looking for? And is there an example you can give Kiralee?
2: Yeah, look, any stories we're looking for, and I can give you several examples, Neil. And this is, there are Christians who are included in this book and not. Uh, there's stories of, um, you know, one family where both the father and the adult daughter uh, decided to. Uh, appropriate the stereotypes of the opposite sex. We've got children who were captivated at school and, uh, you know, when this, the the legal system got involved, uh, children removed from parental care and authority because they were told that their parents weren't safe simply because the parents wanted to protect their children and help them embrace their physiological reality. We have uh, other parents who have successfully navigated this with um, gender non-conforming children and have been able to uh, prevent them going on puberty blockers and that they've come out the other side of it. So there's some really heartbreaking stories. There's also some um, great stories of triumph. There's uh, stories of... Um, you know, a lot of confusion, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of the underlying issues, as I referred to early, such as autism or trauma that leads to these things. And there's stories from parents of how to navigate at school uh, when children are in groups, you know, and peer pressure and social contagion takes hold. So there's a big variety of stories here, Neil, and uh, very open to hearing more of those stories so people can contact me. Um, I've been able to talk to, interview a lot of these parents or you can write your story out and we can go from there
0: okay so to be able to offer your story to be included in this new book that's being prepared over the summer so 2024 and no doubt we'll look forward to having access to this book full of australian stories is how you connect with kiralee binary.org.au the organization that Kira Lee leads is called Binary, B-I-N-A-R-Y.org.au you can become an email subscriber. There's more than 100,000 of those subscribers already. And uh, no doubt, as we mentioned a little earlier, given that there are all sorts of legal battles and things that are going on, uh, room for one or two more friends too who might be financial contributors to some of the challenging times that no doubt will be ahead in 2024. And uh, Kiralee, uh, you've got a end-of-year appeal that's going on right now and listeners might want to respond to that as well. But uh, to connect with Lee, binary.org.au. Kiralee Smith, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us once again today on 2020.
2: Thanks for having me, Neil.
4: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from
1: Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.